Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. My name is Beth, and um, I am a wife and a pastor's wife and a mom of three. And um, the last three years have been the hardest of my life. Um, And um, to to say that, I probably need to give a background. Um, I have never had significant uh, issues with depression. And um, so I didn't, I mean, I felt very anxious and like a worry wart my whole life, but not what I am going to talk about today, which is severe bipolar depression. Um, and so this all started um, when I was pre- pregnant with Levi and we were at our old church and I, we were doing the uh, communion for Christmas Eve. And um, I was trying to pour juice in those little cups. I had grape juice everywhere. I was just so nervous. And I told one of my very best friends, Shanae, I said, I can't feel my legs anymore. I All the feeling is gone. And um, my mom was there. And I told her, I said, we have to sit in the back, which if you know me, I never sit in the back. Um, I, I didn't want to bother Matt with it, but I was having starting to have pretty bad panic attacks right at church. So um, we leave church, we go home, Christmas Day is the next day, and I start having like, um, if you've ever had a panic attack, you know what I'm talking about, but just just mind racing, numb hands, numb feet, um, no sleep, and I, uh, you know, I was pregnant, so there wasn't really much I could do about it. Um, I called my OBGYN and I said, this is happening to me. Um, I have been, and she's, she knows me. So she said, okay, let's start back on this antidepressant medicine. Um, and I started on it. And if you've ever taken one, there's, there's significant risks. Um, I didn't know at the time that it was going to have such a negative impact on me, but about day eight on that medicine, I told Matt, I feel like I want to run my van into a wall. Like, that's what I feel like. I feel like I can't be here. I feel like I need to to die. Let me get a drink. And so that was when it all really started. Um, I went, I went back to the doctor. I said, something is wrong with me. Something's not right. I feel like I don't want to be here anymore. I almost ran my van into a rock wall. And, um, she, she at that point had us see a, a specialty psychiatrist or a specialty OBGYN, and we drove, where did we drive? Lexington. Lexington. Baptist Hospital. Yeah, and they checked on Levi, and he was fine, so that gave me another medicine that did not really work at all. Um, And so from the period of Christmas to March, I went up and down in waves of severe depression, 
and uh, I was not leaving the house. Um, I was barely going to church. I um, was really, really I hated being alone, so I would so sometimes just sit where Matt was at church if he was in a class or something. But I was not able to um, do the day-to-day things that moms do. Um, and that was really hard because that's kind of my identity has always been, you know, being a mom. And um, so my goal was just to make it to the end of the pregnancy and then my psychiatrist said, we can start other meds as soon as you're not pregnant anymore. So I was um, 100% suicidally depressed from um, December to March. And um, somehow we made it through through that to having Levi. I wish you had a picture of Levi. She's so cute. <laughs> but... Uh, he was perfect and healthy and um, easy. That's not our track record with babies. We usually don't have easy babies. And he was the easiest, still is, easiest baby. Um, and my doctor said, okay, we're going to start another medicine. And so I was nervous, but I felt so bad. Um, my mom was staying with us all the time pretty much. I felt so bad that I couldn't, I don't know, I, I, cooking a meal was like out of the question. Um, I gotta get a drink. Um, so when Levi was one day old, I started taking this, another medicine. And um, I knew in my gut I shouldn't have taken it, but I was so desperate I didn't know what to do. And so I um, I took it, and on day two, I checked myself into a mental hospital, a psychiatric care unit. Um, I woke up in the morning and I thought, if I don't if I don't go, I'm not going to be safe. And that's really hard to talk about because I haven't really I try to forget that part of my story. But um, from there, I went to a psychiatric um, a psych unit, and I was there for two days, which doesn't seem like a long time, but if you've ever been one, um, you're not allowed to have a toothbrush, you're not allowed to, um, really, I mean, all your independent, you can't have a book. So I was really struggling, and um, the psychiatrist there was a really not nice, friendly guy, but he recognized that I needed to be on a different class of medicines, and so he started one, um, and it helped almost immediately, like immediately. And I was able to go home because I had a newborn at home, and I was, you know, postpartum. If you know what that's like, it's not. You don't want to be in a psych unit while you're postpartum. You need to rest, and um, and so from that point on, I one of my friends recommended a psychiatrist in Lexington, which was two hours away from where we lived at that point. And he was a godsend. Um, his name was Robert Bungie, and he was a specialist in, psych- in bipolar di- disorder. And he said, you you know, you can't... And a Christian psychiatrist. Yeah, those are hard You don't get find. those very often. Yeah. Um, he's still Matt's doctor, but he um, 
he would pray over us and he was, you know, he would tell me that God is trying to, or, you know, the enemy wants to ruin your ministry. And it was so taxing on us emotionally that being in ministry at that point, too, was really, really difficult. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, one thing about this whole experience was the exhaustion. I I have never in my life, I've always, because I've I've worked two full-time jobs for a long time. We've had kids, and I thought, I can handle this. And the church was, church work is way, way, way more demanding than teaching at a college. So teaching at the college, no problem. But it was just all of a sudden everything changed. Beth needed me to come home a lot. And a lot of those times I had to, I mean, I was canceling meetings left and right. And our church was growing at the time. So the, and, and, our, and the people at our church were wonderful. So it's not like they weren't helping, but you were kind of in a place where you weren't comfortable talking to a lot of people yet mm-hmm. about what was going on. She had a few close friends that she talked to. So we really, it felt like we were on an island not having family there. Uh, Beth's mother, Roberta, and my uh, grandmother and dad uh, came up some. Roberta was up there more than more than anyone. But but this is not an exaggeration. I, I felt like at any moment I was just going to fall over at it, because of the exhaustion and just also the emo- emotional tear of seeing everything that she was going through. Because at that point, it really did feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did, after I got out of the psych unit, I did pretty well for about three months. Um, and then I, the medicine stopped working, and I had a full relapse. And that was really on our vacation. That's how that worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the medicine just stopped working, and it was, the depression got worse and worse and worse and worse. And we were on vacation with my dad, and I said, um, which he had flown from Arizona, and, I, and we met him in where we're Indiana, and um, we had to leave on day two of that trip because I couldn't make it. Um, and so, from there, from there, it gets really difficult because it's when I had to start trying medicines, and that was my choice, um, and I. I think when I had tried the last one, I had take, taken close to 20 different kinds of psych medicines and with different um, side effects, with different, sometimes it made me so hungry that I would gain weight and sometimes they make me um, thirsty or, I mean, there's so many different ones. Um, but I finally uh, had said to my doctor, this isn't working and um, I had, in between that time, we had moved back home, which was a huge event. Cause let, let me mention this because this is a detail. about Beth had been begging me, not because she didn't like our church, not because we weren't happy in Kentucky. That was our kid's home. But she kept telling me, we need to move back to Tennessee. And I was just like, no way. I mean, God's, I mean, we will figure out the, med- the medical thing that we, God has called us here. We're supposed to be here. There's, there's no doubt about that in my mind. There was a lot of arguing over that. And I was trying to be there in every way that I, I guess I thought something was going to pass that never passed. Mm-hmm. And whenever she mentioned the vacation in Indiana, which I didn't know if she'd be comfortable talking about that. But whenever we got back from that, I always come back from vacations. I take no work on vacations. And I was very, I'm always very refreshed 
when we got back from that trip between how she felt and our arguing, I was more exhausted than I'd ever, and I knew we had to move. And it would be through prayer and, and a couple months later that I would actually have to resign. But at that point, I knew that I didn't have the, the physical and emotional sustainability uh, to continue there because of everything that was going on. So then, yeah, I guess in May, we, I, I resigned in December and I remained on staff until May or until April. Mm-hmm. And in May, we moved back. And again, I'll, I'll echo, we came from a very supportive, very loving, very good church. You know, we're still good friends with people that are there. So now you're saying we, we came back in May. Yeah, we came back in May and I found um, a, a really good therapist and a really good doctor, which I just give God all the credit and glory for that because it's really hard to find. And so we... Um, <sighs> We told him, you know, <clears throat> this is how many medicines I've tried. And he said, look, I'm just going to shoot you straight. You've tried this med- many medicines and they're not working. We need to do something else. And um, and that's when he mentioned e- ECT to me, which is electroconvulsive therapy. And it's um, if you've ever watched a scary movie or... Um, what One was, flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Or, it has a horrible stigma. Yeah, it does. Um, but he told me there was a 90% success rate. And for me, I didn't have any other options because I was so, I was so depressed. I mean, I, I, my mom, I remember my mom, my mom telling me that I needed to move off of the spot on the couch because I would just sit there huddled up and not do anything all day long. Um, so we had to have a big, ECT is no small think um I had to have a driver two and three times a week which was mad of course and then um I had to be COVID tested before and after every single procedure um but you you go back into a hospital and you uh get an IV and you have all these like electrode things put on your head and then you get put under and then you they give you a a seizure is what happens. Um, it's a grand mal seizure. And then they wake you up and you keep doing that until you feel better. And um, it's, it was very scary. I, I don't know how else to say that. It was, um, and being back there alone was really scary. I wanted to have Matt back there, but um, so I didn't feel like it was working. We did nine sessions and I felt really discouraged because I didn't feel like it was working. But the doctor, the doctor had said it will work. It doesn't work right away. It, it waits until after a little bit. And so um, at nine, I felt like I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and then the next couple months, I started feeling better. And um, I can't really describe how grateful I was I am that I, that it worked um I hope I never have to do it again but if I do if I'm in a bad space I know I have that as an option but um I just started feeling better and I kept like waiting for the shoe, other shoe to drop I kept waiting to feel bad and um I didn't I found some stability and um 
And that was a huge thing for us because we really didn't know how many more medicines I could go through or, um, I mean, I think about having a newborn during all this and it, it blows my mind that we made it through it. Um, I, I, my medicine made me so sleepy. So Matt by himself had to do every single newborn, uh, meal and not cry and, and that's really hard on me as a mother to not be able to do that for my baby. Um, so, yeah. Did you want to say anything about that, Tom? Well, just as far as timeline is concerned, October was whenever I was hired full time here. And this is just how the enemy works. I was so exhausted in October. I believe I took her every single time. I know Amy took her, I believe Amy took you, or did your mom take you one of the last times? Someone else took you Yeah. one of the last times, because I was still prior, right, still traveling to Kentucky also. With them. So we had to schedule these on days that not only were we getting up at, what, 4.30 or 5 to drive to Knoxville. Turkey Creek. Yeah, to, to Turkey Creek. But then I was then driving to Kentucky, and... I, I I would sit in the chapel of that hospital and just pray, having no idea, you know, what trying to be positive to her, but having no idea what the outcome of the whole thing was going to be. And I'm sorry, guys, over here, I feel like I have my back to you guys, <laughs> but it just, I, I I mean, I've never been through that kind of pain, and and she just, it was just pitiful. I mean, everything about it was just was just awful, and. You know, my, my faith remained intact, and, and there were times we both went through seasons of lots of questions and lots of doubts, and, but I think it was a situation where we just knew where we had, we had no other direction to turn. I'm, I'm not going to turn in another direction at this stage of my life. So it was, it was really hard. So how have the last few months been for you? Because you, you had ECT, and, and that was about a year ago. So how are you? How are you doing now? Um, for the most part, really, really good. I have, um, I have medicine. I have a really good doctor that I see regularly. If I feel good or bad, I go to the doctor either way. Um, I think that learning to live with bipolar disorder and just the stigma around it and the and the name of it and um, I'll always be learning how to deal with that. With a divorce rate of 90%. Yeah. Per couple. Think about that. Um, and, you know, just worrying, will my kids have bipolar disorder? Because it's extremely genetic. Um, so that's something I'm always trying to work through. And um, there was one or two people that were open with me about their diagnosis and that carried me because I felt less alone. So I had kind of promised God that if he got me through this, I would share and be an open book. Um, and that was a hard promise that I made say to him. And we've had to learn, as, as some of you have, through other situations, if you've had medical issues or, or maybe situations like this, we've had to learn at this stage of our lives how to be married in a different way. It's not the way that it was whenever we were just a little bit younger. 
and we're both different now, but I mean, we've, we've really had to redo a lot of things from responsibilities that we have to, to, to how we take care of one another, being intentional about our time together. And, you know, I, I just, I look at our situation and now you have this wonderful job mm. and I mean, you know, you can get a job, but the way that this job worked out and the way this experience worked out at this church, this is God. This, this is not where well, she got really lucky or she started getting a little better. God knew in Kentucky when we felt like we couldn't go on what the future was going. And five years from now, 10 years from now. So, Beth, I want to ask you, um, what has God taught you through this? And how have you grown in your relationship with Jesus through this? Because I, as I was talking to her, this is probably the most important part. Her story is very important. But for those of you that are struggling, you need hope. Mm. And this is what we believe hope looks like, okay? Doctors are, are, can be wonderful. Exercise, diet, therapy, medication, whenever it's needed, wonderful. But we believe that there is hope beyond that. Like what I mentioned with us coming here to this church, with us with, with Beth getting this wonderful job that really just catered and fit her so well in such a weird period mm -hmm. of time. So what would you say has grown your relationship with Jesus the most or, or that God has taught you the most that may be beneficial for people listening online or, or in here today that are struggling? Well, um, for sure, I, I can't rely on my feelings. Like I used to rely on feelings for everything, especially my relationship with God. It made me feel a certain way. I needed to, I needed to make me feel, you know, warm and fuzzy and all these things. And now I've learned that my relationship with God is not dependent on me feeling well. And um, I still go through depression. So I had one last last week, a depressive episode, and now I know how to ask God to walk through it with me through the day. I I literally ask him to walk through, like, I work at a school, so help me through first period or whatever. Um, and he does, and I'm able to feel his presence even when I feel like I'm starting to feel more depression and I start to get nervous. Um, I'm able to rely on the fact that God has gotten me out of the worst pit I've ever been in and, um, and that he will do it again that I can just go on and trust. Okay. What would you say was, out of everything that you've been through, the hardest part? Oh, gosh. Hmm. I would say um, probably pregnancy. Um, it's very difficult to bond and feel like um, this deep connection with a baby when you feel like you, I mean, if you feel like you want to die, I mean, I would lay in a, in a ball on the bed and just not want to be alive anymore. That was really hard. Um, and, and then I would say ECT probably. Yeah. Okay. I, I know that from, from my experience going through this, and I don't know that this was the hardest part, but, but some of you in here, and some people that will listen later have struggled before with infertility, uh, trying to have a child. And we struggled with infertility for about three years 
before Cora was born. But there was there was something in this process that was a lot like that, actually. And it was that she would go try medicine. We would be hopeful. And then it wouldn't work. And sometimes not only would it not work, it would have really bad consequences. Like one yeah. time when you broke out in a rash, oh, really bad. And we I thought you were going to have to go to the emergency room. Yeah, I had hives all over. And then, uh, and then other times that it, you know, you, you hear people say in the commercials or, or on the, you know, uh, websites that it can make you worse in a lot of cases. So we dealt with that. We dealt with what else? Um, you just absolutely, in some cases, could not stay awake. Oh, no. And I think financially it hit us pretty hard. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, this is, this has even changed the way that we do money. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on medicine and 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 all the appointments and things like that, I mean it's it's just you know sometimes you have to make sacrifices within your family and we've just it's just sacrifices that we've had to make that there's a lot of money that goes toward this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, anything else as far as how how difficult it it was? Um, I think that God sent people my way to lift me up and encourage me for sure. And, um, and that I could, I could see since what he was doing as I started to come out of it, like, I don't really want this to be my story, but for some reason you want it to be my story. So I'm going to work hard to share. And, um, I've tried to do that. I've been on the podcast and other things. Um, but I also want to teach my children to be, um, I don't know, to be careful about if their genes are not stacked well with me and you. No. No. <laughs> you didn't have to put me in it. <laughs> no. Addiction, high blood pressure, um, cholesterol, mental health issues. I pray for our hair. kids. <laughs> you know. Did you say hair? Somebody else did. I just oh. <laughs> But, but, so... There are people I know that are in this room right now and people that are listening that will, that some will contact you later. Some just saying they appreciate you having the courage to say this, but other people, I'm in this situation. What should I do? Last question. What is a piece of advice that you might give people that are struggling today, men and women? Besides prayer and and seeking out what God's, um, what God wants for you, I would say, to find an actual psychiatrist if you're having extreme suffering or it's just too much. Um, I think that there's a big difference from your, you know, family practitioner to a, to a psychiatrist. It's a big, it's just, I feel like if I could do it again, I would go that route first. Um, and then just to not settle until you feel well. Um, don't live in, in hurt and pain and just keep being, you know, loud and with your voice until someone, you know, will offer, because I don't think I've, I've had five psychiatrists. The first one would never even let me have tried ECT. So it was really important that I moved on to, to one that has a, a better grasp of what I needed. Okay. 
And you mentioned, this is the last thing, I'm, you, you mentioned Psalm 23 last night as kind of being a staple for you. And I know a lot of, a lot of us have verses or, or chapters or maybe even a particular book of the Bible that, that are really important to us. Why is Psalm 23 something that you go back to a lot whenever you're, whenever you're down? Well, that's my favorite part of the Bible. I actually have it. Um, every time I would go through a depressive cycle, I would um, read Psalm 23 and put um, the date that I read it. And like right here, it says 12, 29, 20. This suffering will end. And I have that beside. He leaves me beside quiet waters. Um, he renews my life. Twelve, fourteen, twenty. The words of Psalm twenty-three have been a guide for me to um, to know that God is my shepherd, and that He's I'm not alone in this walk with um, mental illness. Okay, guys, let's give Beth a, a hand. This morning, because it's stuff not easy to talk about. And what I'm going to do, if you'd like to go sit down, you can. I'm going to I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come back up. And as we as we do this last song today and close out, if you need to come down and pray, if your heart's heavy, if you're going through some of these things, if you have a family member or a friend uh, that's going through some of these things, if you if you need to talk to me for a minute, I'm more than happy to to be up here. But we called this series, You're Not Alone, because a lot of times we, we've used the expression, you're, you're in a bubble, and it's kind of like the world seems to be going on, and you're wondering in your mind whenever you're suffering from this thing, this stuff, why does everybody else seem so happy? Why does it seem like they don't have problems? A lot of times they do, and we just don't know about it because we see the Facebook world and the Instagram world and the world where everything seems to be going wonderful, but behind the scenes, marriages are in very destructive places. And people are suffering in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. And how many times have you been in a situation where there's been an unfortunate thing happen, like a suicide, and people have said, I never would have thought it would have been her, or I never would have thought it would have been him. These things are very, very real. And while I do believe in psychiatry, I know a lot of pastors don't, while I do believe in therapy and have a very good therapist to me, the most concrete answers and what I've, what I've seen as the greatest improvements of my life have been through my faith and have been through my relationship with God. Uh, because I believe that God has directed not only for myself and for Beth, but also for some of you. So the ability to turn that over and really turn that over, even when your mind kind of won't let you turn that over. And some of you know what I mean by that if you've ever suffered from depression or anxiety. Sometimes it feels like your mind will not even allow you to turn that over. Uh, there is a way that you can willfully submit, I promise. So I'm going to pray for us. If anybody does need to come forward, turn everything over, you need someone to pray with you, that's what we're here for. We're inviting the Spirit into this moment today as we close out. Father, we come to you again today, and, and I just thank you so much for Beth's courage and, and willingness to share uh, these, these things that, quite frankly, people can hold against us. And, and, and people can feed into and build into that stigma. It takes so much courage to, 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 to be yourself and to talk about who you really are. And God, I pray that, that through this story, through this testimony, that there have been people in this room and people that will listen later, people on the live stream uh, that have said, that's me in a lot of ways. 
or that that was me. And I know exactly what that's like. So, Father, I just want to pray right now if if the Holy Spirit is stirring someone within God, if they need to come forward, if they just need to lay some things down, if they need to pray for a pathway, if they need to pray for someone else. God, that you'll give them the liberty and the freedom and the grace to do that today so that we can experience healing together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.